these two are always so chatty. All right. So I just look at them waiting for them to pick up some slack in the conversation. You and just you did just such a good job explaining it. That there's not anything to just try it out. I'm just trying to paint the picture of what we're doing today. I feel so. like I should break out the soundboard and play some like crickets for you or something. That's right. What does this button do? You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast. Listen now. This podcast will expire in 24 hours from start to scale and beyond. Jumping into the episode here, Stuff Marketers Say. We probably should say that at the beginning of each episode. That's not a bad idea. Minor yeah. detail. Yeah. Name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the intro is for, right? We're having somebody do that? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Anyways, we are talking about how to get great results on Facebook and Instagram. We want to tackle this from a few different angles. One, if you are thinking about tackling Facebook and Instagram on your own, or you just got started with that, or maybe you've been running Facebook and Instagram ads for a while, and you're just looking for ways to dial in your results a little bit more. So we're going to go over just sort of five points that we have maybe to help get better results. And then what we're going to do is we're going to move on and we're going to talk about a few things, a few commonalities we see amongst our clients, because I think at some point it just makes sense for people to outsource ads. Now, of course, I might be a little biased. We might be a little biased on that. But at some point, you know, especially as you're, as you're trying to hit scale, it might just make sense to outsource your ads to an agency. But it's not as easy, I think, as just saying, oh, I'm going to hire agency and then I'm just going to step back and act as if Facebook ads don't exist or it's not my responsibility at all anymore. So I think what we want to do is go into among our highest performing clients, what are some commonalities between them? So that's what we're doing today. Yep. Good. Good. These two are always so chatty. All right. So I just look at them, waiting for them to pick up some slack in the conversation. You just did such a good job explaining it that we just have anything to add. Just try it out. I'm just trying to paint the picture of what we're doing today. I feel like I should break out the soundboard and play some like crickets for you or something. That's right. What does this button do? Just play some music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good deal. (laughs) I'm just going to start randomly pushing buttons during this episode. (laughs) Anyways, let's start with what goes into getting a result. And so number one, I think this is something that we all agreed on. It was the first thing that came to mind as we were sitting here outlining, talking about this episode, and that is keeping it simple. What do we mean by keeping it simple? I think we just mean like not overcomplicating. I think when it comes to marketing in general, it's really easy with all the like gurus out there talking about the different strategies you can do. Even, you know, just if we're looking at ads specifically, you know, all the different kinds of ads and the split testing that you can do and, you know, campaign budget optimization versus ad set level, you know, it's like looking at all these different pieces. And I think that all of this is like secondary to like, starting at the top and just working your way down, looking at what are you actually advertising? What is that offer? Like, is it a proven offer? And just keeping the rest, you know, relatively simple, especially if you're new to this, like, you know, if you listen to any episode so far, a common theme is going to be, you got to test and you got to listen to the data and really making decisions based off that. And so there's really no point in like spending months deliberating something or building out this massive funnel when you're not even sure if it's going to work yet. And so that's, you know, one common theme that we're probably always going to, going to like hit over and over and over again is like, let's just like look at like MVP, what's like minimum viable product or, or offer or like, what's the fastest way you can bring this product to market or fastest way that you can get these ads up and running and just test it and see what's working. And so the best way to do that, just by keeping it simple, not overcomplicating it, not adding any pieces in there that don't absolutely need to be there and just testing it and see how it goes. 
Yeah. And on the testing piece, I think that's where keeping it simple is so important too, because if you start having all these different variables thrown in there, you're not going to know which piece isn't working, assuming something's broken. So if you can have one or two steps and then test those versus another one or two steps, see which works, and then reiterate that process and hone in your craft doing it that way versus just throwing it all out there at once and seeing what sticks, you'll have much more success that way. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, especially if you're new to running ads, I think that we can figure out whether something's going to work. Uh, And this is the the general we, all right. So us and you listening, uh, you know, at home, we can figure out whether things, something's going to work a lot sooner than we typically think we can, especially as we outline a product launch. I think the temptation is to say, oh, I need this massive sequence or email sequence that goes along with it. And I need to have abandoned cart set up. Like I need all these pieces, but I think that there is, you know, going back to your MVP point, uh, Jesse, you just need to get something launched. And I think that just by running ads straight to a product, you're going to figure out pretty early on whether something has promise or not. Yeah. I'm a big fan of done is better than perfect. You got to look at how can we get this thing done and up I can't tell you how many people we've, you know, who've come to us and say, Hey, I've been thinking about doing this for, for three years. Um, I just haven't done that. So I just got to get it off my plate. My guess is there, they were at the point, you know, a lot of these people where they could have just clicked publish and gotten it going and gotten some results, you know, in the door, gotten some, some data in the door, started to build their business organically beyond, you know, getting that first couple customers in the door, you know, they still maybe would have ended up working with us at some point just because they wanted to get it off their plate anyways. But some people, uh, it's really hard for them to like push publish because they don't, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. You're putting money, you know, putting money behind an idea and it can be, you know, something where you feel like I don't want to waste any money. I don't want to feel like I missed my shot, you know, but like at some point we got to put it out there and we got to test it. There are plenty of campaigns that we've run for, for clients that, aren't instant, like, you know, 50 times return on investment right out of the gate that we just immediately test something else and get something else going and get that, get that working. And so, you know, even for people that do this every single day, there's going to be an element of, Hey, let's test it and see what the data says. And so it's a really good idea if you have some data just by getting it going. Well, and even for the three of us, like we, we see tons of client accounts on a daily basis. We've all got experience in this. And we still fall prey to making the assumption that we think something's going to work. And then the thing we thought that wasn't going to work ends up being the best. So to your point of done is better than perfect. You don't know what's going to work. So mm-hmm. don't fall prey to that, uh, that you need to have something perfect to throw it out there. Just get something out there and collect that data. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially when we were first launching something, we think a lot more people maybe are watching than they, they typically are as if, you know, if we launch it and it doesn't go well, that we can never launch it again. You yeah. Know? And it's like things can be fixed and, you know, there's probably less people paying attention than, than you think. And so being able to understand exactly what's going wrong instead of trying to guess at what might go wrong and fixing it beforehand, I think is a, it typically a much better strategy. But I think along those lines, you know, one rule we have is just what's the next step, right? And And so we occasionally have... Client accounts, I would say, I, I, but you know, it's not just client accounts. I'd say personally in, in my own marketing efforts, I've made this mistake as well, which may be trying to make the sale or focus on whatever the end conversion is all in just the ad, right? And so we're not necessarily selling our product in the ad itself, but you know, what are we trying to do in the ad? We're trying to get the click, you know, we're trying to get people to that next step. And when you're writing an email, you know, it's the same thing. Like, what are you trying to do? you're typically trying to get people to click on whatever the link is that email to go to the next step. Same thing with the landing page and so on and so forth. And so breaking it down that way 
typically, I think, result in a much stronger funnel and process and individual pieces overall. Yeah. Ads can be daunting enough in and of themselves, let alone the whole funnel. So just take it one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And the last, the last little bit of that that we include here is don't let your brand get in the way. And I think, Jesse, that was you. So I'll let you explain on that a little bit. But I have a feeling it has to do with just going outside your comfort zone a little bit, as Ryan just touched on, right, is we are consistently surprised at things that might work, right? But the key is we run them so that we find out. And it might be a little bit outside of our comfort zone, but we at least give it a shot. And so I, I assume that's sort of what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, a great example of this is like, uh, you know, a company who's like brand colors are Facebook blue, for example, you know, being like, well, like I got to use Facebook blue, you know, but it's like, Hey, like if you use Facebook blue and all your colors and all your images, like you're going to blend into Facebook, your click-through rates are going to be lower. So like, like, let's just try something a little different, something that could still be relatively on brand, but not, it's not perfect. So being, and you know, it, it, to that same kind of point, looking at the different language that you're using, maybe your brand is a little bit more of a passive voice. It's not necessarily like in your face, you know, using like a little bit more informal slang language, it's going to get someone's attention, but you know, maybe trying to be a little bit more persuasive in your language than you normally are. Those are, you know, little things that honestly are conversations that, that we have on a regular basis, you know, with clients and trying to figure out where that line is, you know, we'll, you know, we'll maybe try to push a little bit harder on the persuasive language and they'll be like, no, that's a little bit too much. We find that middle ground that, and it's still going to convert well, but if we speak organically the same way that we speak in ads, it makes it really easy to swipe or not swipe by, but just scroll by ads. And so, you know, just looking at the different things that like, what is the end goal here? Is the end goal to I run brand awareness ads? Probably not. Uh, you know, the end goal is to get people's attention to get them to that next step. Um, and if you're letting, you know, your brand get in the way of that, you're going to see potentially drastically less results, especially when it comes to the ad that's at the top of the funnel. Everything that happens at that point trickles down. So if you know you have a 25 or a 0.25% less click through rate, which doesn't maybe seem like a lot, but considering some click through rates on, you know, Instagram for example are 1%, you know, you're cutting your results by 25% from the top. And so being able to give yourself the best chance of that by simply saying, "Oh, let's try this," even though it's something outside my comfort zone. Ryan, out of curiosity, what do you think across all of our accounts? How much money are we spending on brand awareness ads? Approximately $0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so I feel like that's a question that we'll occasionally get is, you know, what if I just want to like, I, I just want to build awareness for my brand. It's like, well, you can do that, but you can also at the same time get leads as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyways, moving on to the next thing. And so uh, while the, you know, sort of the keep it simple theme was something that came to mind, I think for all of us, as we were outlining this episode, Ryan, I think you would say that maybe this is the most important piece of the puzzle when it comes to marketing in general. Focusing on the offer. Absolutely. Yeah. Focusing on the offer. So what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I think Jesse hit the first point that, you know, you're, you're getting these clicks from Facebook, but then where are you sending them? What is happening after the click, which I know that's kind of another separate point here, but it's the two kind of go together that you're paying to get people to click on these ads, but then they're going to your landing page. They're signing up for an email list. All of this is part of the offer that you're giving them, trying to get them to buy something. So you can spend all the time in the world having the best ads in the world, and you might have these insanely high click-through rates, but then nothing to show for it on the back end if your offer is a poor offer, maybe not what it could be. So there's a million different different elements that could go into crafting the the perfect offer, and that goes back to testing and figuring out what's right for your brand, what's right for your product. 
but really having a focus on the offer is something that I think we see just as an agency can get put to the wayside sometime that the focus gets shifted too much on the ads and not that you don't want to focus on the ads, but if you're not focusing on the offer too, they all work together. I think this ties into another point and it's uh, actually our fourth, but I'm going to bump it up to our third, which is whether or not you sold organically before. And I think something that we've said in different webinars, different trainings or different Q and A's with, you know, different communities is something we've, we've asked, okay, or we've said rather that Facebook scales your results, both good and bad. You know, it's, it either becomes this dumpster fire that you're throwing money into, right? If you're not getting, maybe you're not getting good organic results and you're just not heating maybe the warning signs that come along with that, or you are getting good organic results. And maybe that is an indication that maybe you've dialed in your offer. Either way, there's probably a couple of podcast episodes in there. One, creating compelling offers. And then another episode just in troubleshooting that as well. Because as you said, you can have great ads that have in and of of themselves good metrics like high click-through rates, but at the same time, it not convert into anything. And I think when we think of the offer too, it's not necessarily like always just the product and like that specific product. It's bigger than that too. It's looking at like the topic or like the the vein or general idea of your product. For example, you know, as as a ad agency, like if we're running ads for you know, and the topic was creative versus copy or another ads manager updates or the technical side of ads or budgeting. Each one of those veins, like we could have ten different offers in each one of those things or that's like what we're highlighting, we may find that people don't care about the budgeting aspect of it. But if we go all in on that and we're like, oh no, this is what we want to do. Um, and we get like a bunch of really bad leads talking about budgeting. We have to take a step back and look at, okay, maybe we can switch gears a little bit and even change like the offer to a completely different category that kind of is going to get people's attention and get the right people's attention that we want to be getting in front of. We have photographers that we work with, educators that like to speak on a certain topic and that we find like, hey, like, that's just not a great product that leads into your other products. And so being able to think through those different offers that you have and how that kind of ties into the rest of your business as well can be a big differentiator. And if you're going to see success or not. Yeah. I think the point that was made in there that Facebook amplifies whatever you're doing. I think that's just such a critical overarching point to all of this. And if you don't have a great offer, it's going to amplify that. If you have a great offer, it's going to amplify that. And that's not to say that you shouldn't run something that's a less than optimal offer because you're going to be able to learn and you're going to be able to test. But the takeaway from that is, is that Facebook isn't this magic fairy dust that you sprinkle on anything (laughs) and all of a sudden it starts working. There's many pieces to the puzzle. Facebook is one of them. Yeah, uh, I think 100%. Just to review what we have so far, point number one, keeping it simple and focusing on the next step. Point number two, making sure that you have your offer dialed in. And then, you know, I think uh, point number three, but it could be even just two A, is asking yourself, especially when it comes to your offer, have you been able to get organic results with your offer? If so, maybe there's there's promise there that if you run ads, you can multiply or scale that. And if not, maybe there's something that you have to dial in a little bit further before moving on. I think the only caveat to the, the have you sold it organically is if you're brand new, and you just want to learn if it's going to sell more quickly. If time is something that you're not, you know, you're willing to pay to learn quickly or more quickly, at least that's like the one exception to that rule. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's always things that just, for whatever reason, maybe the audience that you've built for some reason is not the right audience. And so you, you move to a platform like Facebook, where all of a sudden you're going to be just by nature of, you know, targeting, you're going to get in front of other audiences. And all of a sudden you strike a chord with a, a, another audience and then yeah. you realize, okay, 
and you shift your, your efforts over there. So there's definitely exceptions to that rule. I would 100% agree with that. So we have two more points to get to. Number one, what's happening after the click? Which we sort of rolled into sure. the offer, but I think we can expand on that more. And Jesse's probably the, the expert, the guru of funnelizing, optimizing the funnels post the click. So yeah, Jesse. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing you have to look at is simply just looking top down and looking at where you're sending people and looking at those numbers. You know, if you're getting great click-through rates, you know, that's something that we tell our clients all the time is it's very easy for us as an ad agency to say, oh, hey, the ads are working. Like you're getting great clicks. Like, hey, the rest isn't our fault. We don't take that approach because even if it's selfishly, we know that if you're not getting the end result that you want, whether that's leads, whether that's purchases or new customers coming in the door, new app downloads, you know, whatever it is, you're not going to be working with us for very long. And so we want to take a look at all those pieces and looking at where are the leaks to that? Does all of this make sense to like when they get to this landing page, is the, is it congruent with the ad? Is the messaging add up? Is it something where they get there and they feel like, am I in the right place? You have to look at that on every single step of the way, because people are so skeptical. If I land on a page that looks sketchy at all. And I'm like a little bit of a privacy nut as well. So like, I don't want to give anyone my data that I feel like is going to be sketchy. And so any piece of that puzzle, I'm looking at those different pieces and looking at, Hey, is this congruent? Is the messaging there? Is it, you know, or do we have a leak here? Is my landing page converting in at least 30 or 40%? Is my email funnel, like, are people opening it again, coming back to keeping it simple, looking at you know, what is happening after that? Is it helping me accomplish my goal? And, you know, being able to look at where, where are people falling through the cracks? Where's the weakest link in working from the top down from the ad all the way to the purchase and making sure that, you know, you're not losing people, at least more people than you should be. You're going to lose people, but looking at those percentages and being willing to make changes, you know, relatively quickly. Yeah, 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 for sure. So since we talked pretty much at length about that, I think the the last point, and this might be one of the most important ones as well, is uh, giving it a real chance. And I think that especially people who are new to Facebook advertising in general, jump in, don't get 100x return right away, or maybe, you know, see no return, <laughs> you know, or, or something or something along those lines, and then give up. You know, it's like one campaign, it didn't work for me. Facebook and Instagram must not work for me. And so I'm going to stop there. Yeah. I think the clients that we see the most success with are the ones that approach it with an attitude of this is an investment and it's not a, it's not a short-term investment that I'm looking for a return within a week, you know, of my spend. If we can get that, that's amazing. And we have been able to get that for multiple clients, but oftentimes, especially for new clients, new accounts, it takes a little while to get that traction going to more, the algorithm is taking more and more control of things. And the learning phase of the ads is just becoming more and more important to allow the the algorithm to learn who to best deliver your ads to, who's most likely to convert for this offer. So giving it that real chance includes a lot of things, but the patience, the time, having the ample budget to be able to do those things are some of the most critical pieces to be able to see that long-term success with an ad campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that we do as an agency is that we don't have big setup fees like a typical uh, agency might, you know, where it's like you come in and after that point, it doesn't really matter to the agency whether you have success or not because they charge you a massive setup fee. But what we do have is a three month commitment. And what we've seen is that three month commitment has been important, you know, especially for clients who haven't run a ton of Facebook ads before, because, you know, at month, at the end of month one, at the end of month two, maybe they're feeling like, I just don't know if this is going to work. But we've had plenty of clients who, given the choice, maybe at month two would have pulled the plug. 
but by the time month three rolls around and finishes up, you know, their client, they've been clients for over a year, right? So a few come to mind that certainly fall into that category. And again, I just think it speaks to that, what you were just saying, like it, it requires some time to optimize and test might be a little bit uncomfortable because you might not be seeing that return immediately. But I think over time, Facebook is pretty good at getting your ads in front of the right people. Cool. Well, one of the things that we're going to jump into here is commonalities we see amongst our clients. I know we talked about this a little bit and they really do match with some of the points that we just talked about. So the first one is ownership of the funnel. And so I think the clients who really want to work collaboratively alongside us as their agency see great results. And so it's a, and, and just a matter of like implementing some of the ideas that we come up with together during our strategy meetings. Definitely. I think that, you know, the people that like we, we kind of see ourselves as an extension of all of our clients' marketing departments, or we are the marketing department as an extension of their business. It's not something where it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to hand this off to you and I never want to hear about it or talk about it again. Get me great results or else. It needs to be a collaborative effort because, you know, in a lot of different things, like you are the business owner still our clients still are, you know, selling the products. They're, they're, you know, have their finger to the, on the pulse on, is that, is that a saying finger on the pulse? Yeah. yeah. You know, ear yeah, to the sure. ground, uh, you know, whatever it is on their products, on their customers, hearing like what kind of things make them tick, hearing their customers talk about, Hey, I bought your product over this product because X, Y, and Z. And when they're able to like breathe life into that and give us feedback on the creative and on the copy. And, you know, we look at, Hey, like we're seeing these kind of results. Let's try something different here. What, 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 and what ideas come to the, come to mind along, along these lines, we just see better results, you know, when there's skin in the game on both sides. I mean, this is true, whether you work with an agency, whether you're doing it on your own, whether you have a big team or you're your solopreneur, I think all of those things, if you're willing to take ownership of those pieces to some extent and have some skin in the game in that, you are going to see better results at the end of the day. There's just, you know, I don't even think there's an exception to that rule. Yeah. And I would just say like one of the things that we we consistently say is that we understand that there's more to it than just the ads themselves. And that's something that's a theme we talked about throughout this episode. So there's only so much that our team can touch, right, of a business. Uh, we want to be as involved as possible. But at the end of the day, it does involve things like follow-up email campaigns. You know, if we're getting leads for somebody and there's no email nurturing sequence afterwards, it's going to be pretty difficult to convert a high enough number of those leads on the back end for it to make sense to advertise. So we try to be as collaborative as possible in that, but certainly our, our clients who take us up on kind of take, taking a big picture look at their business typically get better results. Yeah, absolutely. So the second thing, uh, this is something that you said, Ryan, earlier on was uh, don't assume, test and learn. And clients who are open to trying new formats or coming at it from a different angle, typically that involves maybe maybe they had been doing just email launches and were like, hey, what do, what do you think about webinar or video training or, or something like that? We definitely hit home this point, the, just the importance of testing and learning, but I think it bears repeating again that there are just so many variables out there from the ad side of things to the funnel side of things to your offer that all can be split tested. You can get hard data on just about every step of your funnel now. So when you have the opportunity to do that, do it. I think that's it's so important and just relying on your data and collecting it. I know Facebook is collecting it, but oftentimes there's so much data that's collected that's then not looked at. So just having that analytical mindset towards your ads and your entire funnel, how can you test and learn 
to become a better marketer and sell your product better. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Jesse? Uh, I guess the only thing I'd add is like, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We have a lot of experience doing this. That's a lesson that we tell ourselves all the time. Like, like, yeah, let's test it. You know, like, oh, I'm not sure if that's going to work, but you know, it sounds kind of odd or like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Like, just, I don't know, but we just test it. And we're like pleasantly surprised very often simply because every brand and and product and audience are going to respond differently. And we just don't know until we try it. Like the data is going to be the end result. And, you know, we have, like, like Ryan said, we have the ability to see the data and it doesn't cost very much to test something. So like, let's just see if it works. Yeah. There's been multiple times where I've been an ads manager and I'm about to hit the publish button and thinking, why am I even publishing this? It's not (laughs) going to work. And then Lo and behold, that's what works. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to be open to it. The only thing I would add to is like just being able to take some feedback, you know, I think especially when it comes to webinars and and video trainings, you know, we've seen uh, there's people that I think are super dynamic on camera who are, let's say maybe just doing email launches and you're like, Hey, have you thought about this video training? Because you're, I mean, maybe you're always on his stories or IGTV or something like that, or YouTube and you're you know, you're dynamic and people seem to engage with you there. So how about we try taking this to, you know, some sort of training, you know, and there's a lot that goes into that. So maybe occasionally we get some pushback there. And then, you know, the flip side is true as well. Some people just aren't as dynamic on camera. And so it's a matter of like being able to take that feedback, like, okay, I need to amp up my energy. I need to maybe just invest in, in some time in watching myself and figuring out like, okay, how can I improve this training or moving on to another type of funnel, whether it be pre-recorded video trainings, just like three of them, let's say in a, in an email sequence or moving away from maybe that model just in general and trying something else where maybe it's just a better, better spent time. The last thing is I think doubly down on promising results. This is good because we're about to go into the scale episode in general. So check out that episode. If you, if you're looking for more information on spending, but not getting caught up in ROAS, but looking at your bottom line. And Ryan, maybe you can explain what that means to people. Sure. I mean, as far as a commonality amongst our clients, by far the most successful clients are the ones that take that data, see the the winners, and then scale those winners, which we'll get into more in that episode you mentioned, Davey. But as far as looking at your bottom line and not getting caught up in your ROAS or your return on ad spend, you can have a really great ROAS at a really small budget. And then that ROAS is going to disappear Probably as you increase that budget, we've seen crazy cases where ROAS goes up as we increase budget and we always love that. But in general, ROAS is going to go down as your budget goes up. But that number to keep your eye on is that bottom line, because you'll take a 1.1 ROAS on a $10,000 spend versus a triple ROAS on a $300 spend. So just not getting caught up in fancy looking numbers, but the numbers that really matter. And I think that some of that just comes from defining what that result that you really want to be going after is, which for most people is going to be how much money is in my bank account after, you know, running these campaigns. And, uh, you know, like Seth Godin, I think calls it speedometer confusion where we're looking at, oh, like our click-through rates are like amazing or our click-through rates aren't that good, but I'm making a ton of money. Like, okay, we really need to fix this. And it's like, hey, like it's not broken. You're making money. Like just because one you know, obviously we want to try to get those, you know, optimize that campaign as much as possible, but we don't want to turn off what's working in the the meantime. And so I think really defining and and getting on board with thinking through, and even just from a, from a a mindset point of view, the end goal is to make you more money. That's like the end goal of most businesses. There are, you know, some exceptions to that rule potentially, but in general, 
that's the end goal that we want to help people with. And yeah, if, if you want to maximize products, it might not be the end all be all goal of your business, right? Exactly. Like, that's to keep your business running. You know, you want to maximize product. 100%. Yeah. With all the data that we have available to us, sometimes it's really easy to be like, oh, like my ROAS is not at 40 times anymore. Like we, we got to turn this off. Like I'm getting a little nervous and it's like, well, you're still making a ton of money. Yeah. And so let's push, let's push through and figure out a way to make this where it's still comfortable for you uh, and making it really worth it for you at the same time, not turning off this huge potential source of revenue for you. But I think it's just a, it's an understandable reaction to when you've been operating at a certain row as at a certain scale, and then you decide to go up and you see that row as drop. I mean, it still happens to me. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. I want to, I want to see that number stay there, but it's just while I spend, yeah, while I'm, <laughs> while I'm spending more, <laughs> I want to spend a million dollars and see that number stay there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to jump into this uh, scale episode and talk a little bit more about that and sort of the, the mental emotional barriers to uh, spending more money on Facebook, even when it should result hopefully in more money in your pocket. Anything else to add to this topic? All I right. don't think so. We need to figure out how we're going to close these things. Yeah. We need the outro music to start playing. Yeah. So the- I'm just going to say, I'm pushing another button. That's, that's the standard. Yeah, You're it. welcome, everybody. Stuff Parker say, we're out. <laughs>